You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 128 of the Comic Book Informer podcast, coming to you on June 18th. I'm Vince, along with Roger. How are things going today, man? You know what? I actually got to read some Spider-Man comics for lunch this afternoon, so it was a good day. Well, that part. Everything else sucked. But that there was freaking awesome. (laughs) We'll get to that when we get into what we're reading. Okay. (laughs) Well, we are continuing our summer movie month. And uh, coming up, I don't know exactly when it releases, but I think it's July. We have the second attempt at Fox doing a solo Wolverine movie. And it actually doesn't look too bad, (laughs) although I'm still very hesitant. And what makes me as interested as I am is it's actually based at least in part off of the original Wolverine miniseries from back in 1982. This was the first time we'd seen Wolverine outside of the X-Men, you know, not counting his, uh, brief, uh, introduction appearance in the, in the Hulk comic. But this was, man, this was the comic back then. I mean, of course, you know, I was a little young to read it when it first came out. How old but, were you? Um, were you born yet? <laughs> One-ish. One. <laughs> Depending on when it came out in 1982. <laughs> I actually remember when this came out because I bought it. Um, so this was, I was like knee deep in buying comics at the time and everything. And so when this came out, this was, this at least in our little corner of the world, you know, this was huge. This was, everybody wanted a copy. And, and when it was done, Everybody wanted to find it somewhere to, to buy it. I can't tell you how many people actually offered to buy just that series off of me when I had it. And of course, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was Frank Miller. And on top of that, it was a solo Wolverine. And again, Wolverine at the time wasn't so oversaturated. A solo Wolverine series done by Frank Miller, the art by Frank Miller, this was like oh my God, you better make sure you have a copy waiting for me on comic book day. Cause if not, I'm taking a nut. Sorry. I have to, I mean, I'm going to have to leave that. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you had Frank Miller on art who was in the middle of, you know, one of the all time great daredevil runs of all time, taking a character that had previously, you know, been about to be canceled and, straight to the top of the sales charts and also written by Chris Claremont who, I mean, God, that guy wrote so many issues of X-Men and this was right in his heyday. This was right around Dark Phoenix Saga and all that other stuff coming out. So you get you know two of Marvel's best guys working on one series with what, who was becoming their most popular character. This, this was about as big as it could get. Yeah. So the series really revolves around Wolverine going to Japan, and this was not something we'd seen much of. Uh, I think this was right around the time. I don't think they. They. I think there was an issue of X Men where like they, they made a brief stop in Japan and they kind of mentioned Wolverine's history there, and just anything having to do with Wolverine's history was, of course, big at the time because his mysterious past and this and that. So this really expanded upon that, and man. It, this even now you look back and this is kind of the 
typical Wolverine story of just everything that's awesome about comics. I mean, Wolverine running around fighting ninjas has, of course, with Frank Miller, it definitely had, you see those influences with like the lone wolf and cub style uh, artwork and the fight scenes and just absolutely everything about this. Even to this day, 30 plus years later, this is still an amazing comic. The only, seriously, only downside is that it suffers from what many comics suffered from at the time, and that is the, they just basically tell you everything that they're doing that's going on, everything, instead of having any faith in their artist. And I mean, considering what he was working with, I know that it was a different style of writing at the time, but man, I would have loved it if Claremont would have had more faith in Frank Miller to not have the character say everything that they're doing and rely on the art to convey it. Like at one point, one of the female characters has a net thrown at her and she screams like, it's a, tr- it's a net. And we're going, we can <laughs> see it's a net. It's right freaking there. Like have a little faith in Frank that he can draw a net, you know, but that and the same thing where even though it was a four parter, he still felt the need to recap everything yes. in every single issue. So <laughs> adamantium bonded to oh, my bones yeah. makes them unbreakable. Like, okay, okay, we get okay, it. We Chris, know, we, we know. It, yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of, of that, but that is again, typical of the time. So that's why we see it. But I, man, it, that's the only thing. Take that out. And this still stands in, in every way, shape or form. It's, it's a phenomenal story. Mm-hmm. So Wolverine travels to Japan because you know, a former love interest of his, Mariko, has you know not been reading his letters and just kind of dropped off the face of the earth for, for Logan. So he heads out there to figure out what's up and finds out that she has actually been married in, in his absence, which doesn't set too well with him. And to make matters worse, her husband is mistreating her, which, of course, instantly pops the claws out and somebody's about ready to have a really bad day. But uh, Mariko talks him down like, no, this is this is what I have to do. You know, her, her father basically came back into the picture and demanded the marriage for, you know, p- purposes, uh, business purposes, if you will. And, you know, he's like, OK, you know, not happy about it, but he's kind of going to deal with it in his own way until, of course, ninjas attack and poison. Him. <laughs> just, just I, you know, I, I, I always have this great picture of like Marvel Japan in my mind and know that if I ever go to Japan, I just have to walk at, watch out for, you know, roving bands of ninjas. They're everywhere. <laughs> they are everywhere. <laughs> but of course, uh, this leads to a great scene where Wolverine has been poisoned and now has to, uh, has been challenged to a duel by Shingen, Mariko's father. And Shingen just absolutely owns him because on one hand, he's you know, slowed down from the poison, hasn't quite kicked that out of his system yet. And Shingen's just a better fighter than Wolverine is, you know, almost taunting him in the battles to, to push him to that edge where, you know, the animal pops out instead of the man. And that's a very, very big part of this story is, you know, Wolverine trying to find that balance within himself between the man and the animal. And when the animal comes out, seeing how that affected Mariko was very important. It's funny because um, for people who've read enough of Wolverine, you know that there's this period in time when he was in Japan. And some writers will have you believe 
that he was this phenomenal swordsmith and that he was, he was very good with a sword. He could defend himself and he had, you know, a lot of style, everything. When in fact, if you read most of the characters and, 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 or sorry, writers, if they're true to the character kind of thing, he's not, he, he's very, he's, he's feral. So it's not about the grace of movement and being precise and everything. It's relying on that healing factor to get you through. So you're being sloppy. You know you're going to be hit, but you're going to do damage as well. The only difference is you're going to heal from the damage the target won't. So I'm glad that that was in here so that in the sword fights, he is getting his ass handed to him. And we even see like, so like so the ultimate dishonor that Shingen throws at him of it's a duel with wooden swords because as he says, Logan isn't worthy enough to fight with real swords. <laughs> that is that is a blow to to pretty much every aspect of him. Yeah. A- and the cool thing about this, you know, we we don't see this at all in modern Wolverine comics is his healing factor isn't supercharged, you know, <laughs> he, he doesn't get hit with the poison darts and, you know, he's back up kicking butt five minutes later. You know, this was a much more interesting uh, application of the healing factor with Wolverine where he, you know, yeah, he'll get over it, but he still has weakness. You know, it's, he's not, you know, Superman, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And which is what I've always preferred to. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you read some of the stories in the healing factor is cranked way the hell up and he can heal from anything. Um, there's been a couple of stories where I've, I've liked it and it fits, but the, the reality of having something like this where there are actual consequences then, and he does have to be reasonably careful and, and it takes longer to heal. And there's, there's the potential for him actually dying. That's it allows you to to hold your reader a lot better than if there's no consequence. You know there's no consequence. Mm-hmm. So after he's completely dishonored and defeated by Shingen, uh, you know they dump him in the street. You know leave him for dead, if you will. And he's rescued by a young woman, Yukio, who pretty much immediately is herself attacked by ninjas. <laughs> They're everywhere. God. (laughs) So Logan and Yukio fight off the hand and Yukio tells Logan that, you know, the hand are after her. She's, she's in trouble and needs Logan's help. And well, Logan just can't resist helping a pretty Japanese girl fight ninjas. (laughs) So he's like, fine, you know, help you out uh, and handle your business until we find out in another scene that Yukio actually works for Shingen. And she is an assassin and has this very high-value target she has to go after but can't do it alone. So she's basically manipulating Wolverine into helping her take out this uh, rival crime lord for uh, Shingen. Yeah. Go ahead. And this leads to you know, another great scene of you know their attack. I, I don't have the other guy's name, so we're just going to call him the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're in a kabuki theater and, you know, I thought it was great that, you know, of course, didn't really recognize this as much, you know, the first few times I read it. But the play they were acting out on stage was the 47 Ronin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, that was just a great touch. And uh, Mariko and her husband are there who are themselves being targeted uh, by the kabuki actors. You know, they were assassins of their own. So you have multiple assassins <laughs> coming after multiple targets. Absolutely insane. Guys in face paint and swords. And this comic was so awesome. <laughs> and it wasn't that easy to get in there either. They're climbing over walls, going through like 
what looks to be moats here. And we got taken down guards all over the place, crawling through the, 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 looks like they're almost going through vents at one point. <laughs> like this is, this is not easy. And then on top of that, you have these assassins who are the actors. It was friggin' so fun. so with all these subplots going on uh once the other crime boss is defeated yukio is supposed to kill wolverine for shingen but she has her own interests in wolverine uh, romantically and in in many other ways if you will but of course wolverine is only interested in mariko so you have all this stuff back and forth how he's got this woman throwing herself at him basically (laughs) And Wolverine being the idiot he is, you know, mumbling the wrong names. <laughs> she, just, she just kicks him in the face and leaves him unconscious on the train tracks. It was, it was a blast. <laughs> but in the meantime, we have Logan's old friend, Asano, who works for uh, Japanese police, uh, F- their version of the FBI, if you will. And, oh, there's this new crime boss that's, you know, taken over now. And, you know, we need to take him down. And we just, I, got, I got my own problems to worry about. Until I, I, you know, this is one of those things where they leave that gray area where Yukio kills Asano, but we don't know if she really intended to kill Asano or just happened to kill the guy who was walking into their hotel room. And they never quite answer that. Yeah, that that leaves a, a, a question mark and a gray area over the story that, you know, I actually like. Well, yes and no. I mean, she does... <laughs> Whether she meant it to to or not, she meant at to the kill time. him. But I don't know if she know, knew who it was at the time. Because later on, when she's talking to Shingen, she's saying like, "I took out this other person who was a problem for you." Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the intent was there, or she's lying about it, right? So this basically puts Wolverine, you know, over the edge again where his old friend has been killed and he starts putting all the pieces together, realizes he's been played and he's like, well, now he's got a whole list of people he needs to kill. (laughs) That list keeps getting longer. (laughs) And just as an aside, I I just have to point out, this is like my favorite Wolverine and that by that, I mean the brown costume Wolverine. I've always just loved that brown costume. You know, the, the, the subdued yellow, the more... You know, he's he's not a superhero to me when he's wearing the brown costume. He's just more, you know, he's Wolverine. That's that's just a personal uh, thing, though. It kills me, though, that when he is about to go through Tokyo to look for something, you know what? He puts the costume and you're thinking, <laughs> that's not conspicuous at all, but he, you're going to blend. All right. It's not like he has some, like he can fly or even Spidey kind of swing around. He's, he's on the street walking with peeps and he's wearing this ridiculous costume. But let's keep in mind though, this is Marvel Tokyo. Yes. So, I mean, that's you know, standard. Yeah. <laughs> at least, Nobody at least he's not a ninja. Yeah. Just watch out for the ninjas. <laughs> So, you know, we, we have him just tearing through Shingen's forces, all, all kinds of stuff going on at this point because Shingen's trying to, about to kill Yukio, uh, Asano, uh, not Asano, uh, what the, the guy's name, uh, Mariko's husband oh. is, is making off with her. I mean, there's, there's, there's guns pointed at everybody's heads. <laughs> this, was, this last issue was just insane, top to bottom. And if you didn't have enough ninjas... From the other three issues, there's more in this one and quite and a few don't more. don't worry. <laughs> we, we have backup. Yeah, we got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But uh, eventually Yukio actually rescues Mariko from, you know, the husband who's holding her hostage <laughs> from Wolverine, no less. And, uh, you know, Wolverine kind of considers the scales balanced. Like, eh, okay, you know, you killed my friend, but you, you saved my, my, my love. So you know, just run away before I stab you. Yeah. <laughs> and we get the final duel with Shingen, where still Shingen is the better fighter. But throughout the story, you know, Wolverine has kind of learned and is really working on reigning in the beast, you know, maintaining his composure so that, you know, even though he's still getting stabbed and cut and swords thrust through his body, you know, he manages to regain enough or maintain enough composure to just put some claws right through the guy's face. Yeah. And that's one of those things you have to respect about the older comics. In a modern comic, they just probably would have shown the claws literally going through the guy's face. But, uh, you know, they, they do it, you know, off panel, if you will. I mean, you still know what happened, but it's just one of those things about the old school comics where, like you said, you know, the writer needs to trust the artist. But it, at some points, they both trust the reader enough to fill in the blanks. Well, it's more style, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all well and good to see, again, the claws going through somebody and whatnot. But to have a panel where... And, and look at how he framed that panel, too. You don't even see all of Wolverine's face. You see the arm outstretched blocking the mouth. So all you have to really get from the character is the eyes. So here you have an artist who is obviously confident enough in his abilities that he can convey everything he has to about this pivotal, pivotal scene in just Wolverine's eyes that are completely berserker red right now. So like so much is said this way versus just again, seeing the claws going through somebody's face. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we really can't convey (laughs) over the podcast just how great this looks. I mean, you think back 1982 comics did not have the level of art quality we're used to these days. And, well, depending on the artist these yeah. days, but overall, the, the art was more simplistic. They were, you know, they were cranking out more panels on more pages in less time. So just through that assembly line process, the, the, the overall art in comics at the time from guys other than Frank Miller <laughs> was nowhere near what we're used to today. But I mean, for 1982, this comic looks astonishing. And it's, it's not just that. It's again, it's the style that he had. Uh, of how he framed panels, of how he, um, the the amount of lighting that he chose, or because a lot of these scenes have are indoors. Like if you look at literally the very last two pages, well, not counting the final reveal, but the the last two pages where they are in the room and there's like this checkered pattern that the shadow falls on them, both of them at uh, in different angles and things like that. Frank just had this amazing style about himself to be able to, how he, he put everything on the page. And that's also what you have to to take into consideration when you're reading this. I mean, it's not just of the time, it's what he was doing with, with all of this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Shane Gunn's dead, the day is saved, but we still had a great moment between Wolverine and Mariko where she comes back and, you know, honor dictates that, you know, she should try to kill Wolverine. But as she says, you know, Shingen had no honor himself. So, you know, did this all this great stuff that, you know, we've talked about between Lone Wolf and Cub and 47 Ronin and, and all these other awesome, you know, samurai stories that we've loved is, you know, the, the, the family's quest for honor and how now Mariko has to do her best to recl- reclaim the clan's honor that Shingen had lost. And the first way of doing that is recognizing, you know, 
know, Wolverine as, you know, being an honorable person and helping her to reclaim uh, what her family has lost. Yep. And then they get married and live happily ever after <laughs> because right. this is comic books and that happens. No. <laughs> <laughs> we know better. Well, anyway, the miniseries ends. With, I love that panel of the X-Men reading the wedding invitation. <laughs> Colossus in his ugly sweater. It's just hilarious. Yeah. But I, I, again, looking back at the time, this was probably, you know, the best thing on the shelves at the time. You know, Frank Miller hadn't reinvented Batman yet, so he was still busy uh, working at Marvel, putting them uh, you know, on top of the business with one of still the, the best Wolverine stories of all time. Yeah. Now, again, having read it at the time, it's something that I was worried if it held up, because I haven't read this in a long time. And because obviously I don't have these anymore. I, sadly, I, I, I sold them as part of my collection. But I was worried just how well it would hold up. And with the exception of the constant recapping and monologuing, internal monologuing, man, it, it does hold up. It's a, it's a phenomenal story. Mm hmm. So as for the actual movie, uh, the original version of the script was basically just a direct uh, translation of the comic to a movie but of course you know movie studios being what they are uh, you know the director ended up leaving i honestly don't know who the new director is uh but the the, the previous director was uh, darren aronofsky who did you know stuff like the wrestler he's a great director and putting all this stuff together is like, man this movie is going to be amazing and you know fox has a, a track record for putting their fingers too deep into the pie and, you know, ruining everything. But still, you look at the movie and it looks like it it has all the elements we want. Uh, Mariko, Yukio is in there. And they're even, you know, expanding upon bringing in characters from later storylines involving this uh, with the Silver Samurai, who is uh, Mariko's half-brother and, you know, one of Wolverine's rivals over many years. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing a Wolverine-Silver Samurai fight in the movies. You know, maybe not... Uh, on, on the movie screen, it might be a wait for DVD movie, but I, I don't know. I still hold out a, a bit of faith that this movie could be decent. I have no <laughs> such faith. None at all. It, it can't possibly be any worse than the last Wolverine But movie. that's the thing. It can. It can. <laughs> so that's why I, man, I, I would like it to be awesome, but I have, I have no faith that it will be. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll find out in a few short weeks. Yeah. So I'm actually foregoing a, uh, what we're reading this week. Uh, what? Yeah. No. I'm le le leaving the, leaving the cool comics uh, I've read lately. And I actually want to talk about the man of steel movie. If okay, that's okay. Well, I'm talking about what I've been reading. Yes, I know you uh, are. Right. <laughs> but anyway, man of steel, I went to see it this weekend and holy crap. Like, <laughs> Uh, Zack Snyder, the director, did a fantastic job of translating Superman into a movie. You know, it was the Superman I've always wanted to see in an actual movie, previously only seen in an animation, really, with the scope of, you know, his strength and stuff. Like how, like how we talked about when we were uh, reading Invincible, how very rarely does a superhero actually display the strength you know they're they're capable of 
And that's what Snyder did here. Really showed off what Superman can do with his power. Gave, you know, the 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 joy and wonder of just flying. And it, oh my God. Like the the action in this movie was top notch. Up up there with Avengers. I'd say Avengers action had a larger scope just because, you know, you had space aliens and the Hulk and all that stuff. But as far as like one-on-one fights, I mean now I want to see Zack Snyder direct a Dragon Ball Z movie because <laughs> it, it was nuts. Okay, cool. As far as like the story, eh, it was still Superman. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they got they, they they completely did away with the whole uh, Clark Kent thing, which was nice. You know, I mean, of course, Clark Kent was still there, but the whole Clark Kent working for the Daily Planet, you know, they kind of worked that in by the end of the movie in a way that, you know, in the future it might be kind of less off-putting than than it has been, at least for us. Uh, Henry Cavill was great as Superman uh, and Clark Kent. Uh, Kevin Costner, my God. I want Kevin Costner to be my father after watching (laughs) this movie. He was a great Pa Kent. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Michael Shannon as Zod. That was... He'd been in a whole bunch of movies I've never heard of before. He stole the show. Like, he was... He had, you know, enough strength and gravitas to, you know, present that that general, that military leader. Whereas at the same time, by the end, when everything's falling apart, he was almost literally insane. Like it, he yelling and screaming and just, oh, my God, he was great as odd. Really, my only problem was that I didn't like Amy Adams as Lois Lane. Uh, she just didn't quite have the assertiveness that I would expect from a Lois. And, and that, that was really the only weak part uh, of the casting for me. Hmm. Not going to get too much into spoiler territory, but I, I can't wait for this movie to come out on DVD when we can actually have a proper spoiler discussion about it. <laughs> uh, but a lot, you know, a lot has been said online about just the way Superman acts in the movie. And a lot of the Superman purists like Mark Wade and a lot of other guys really don't like what happened with a lot of the scenes uh, in here where, you know, I don't have a problem with it because I don't expect, I don't hold any character to a standard of being this completely perfect, you know, selfless God being all the time. Like, especially here, you know, he's young. He's been Superman for like five minutes. He's going to make mistakes. You know, things are going to happen. Yeah, there, there was a tremendous amount of collateral damage (laughs) while he's fighting Zod in the middle of Metropolis. I mean, there, there had to have been people at least injured as they're throwing buildings at each other. I mean, it was so, awesome to see on the screen but at the same time you're like this this is superman you know he should probably you know move the fight somewhere else but i i didn't care you know it was so awesome (laughs) just to see the the, like i said Zack snyder's scope of the fight scenes was astounding and yeah i didn't even mind you know the controversial ending that bothers everyone because you know again i don't hold superman to the same standards that a lot of other people do and i can acknowledge that some people do hold him to those standards and we're disappointed with the way things went but i didn't mind it at all especially uh, within the scene i thought it was handled very well could things have been handled in the overall story so that things didn't reach a certain point sure but again i didn't mind i I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Uh, I liked it. I'd say it was better than Iron Man 3 so far this year. Um, God, so much better than Dark Knight Rises. And I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, honestly, I'm putting it on par with Dark Knight. Like, 
That's pretty high yeah. praise. Yeah, because like I said the story was okay, but the action was just so so much that I wanted from a Superman movie that I never really knew I wanted. Like I was tired of, you know, just the, the you know, the the the, the perfect Superman. I, I just wanted to see Superman wreck stuff, and I was perfectly happy with that. <laughs> Alrighty then. All right, so you can talk about comics. Well, fine then. Let's talk about Superman Unchained. Did you read it? I did. All right. So this is a story for from Scott Snyder with art from Jim Lee, and just the the obvious art comment. <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap! In hell. See, this is the problem though. Here, Jim, if you're listening, <laughs> you have a problem meeting deadlines. So that means. Don't make things bigger and more complex. Yeah. <laughs> trim it Four back. page fold out, you know. It, yeah, you need to trim back a little bit so that the issues can actually come out. Now, that being said, though, holy crap. <laughs> the scenes with him taking down these satellites and things, it it's staggering. It, it's, you're looking at every little detail in there it's it's mind-numbing i can't even imagine how long just those panels took him let alone the rest of them that are i mean phenomenal absolutely amazing but those panels where with the satellites in space and stuff how what the hell holy crap (laughs) wow yeah now, that being said as well, I want to live in this world that Jim imagines we should be living in <laughs> where there's like holographic shit. Damn it. Again, I keep forgetting wow. what podcast we're Damn. on. Um, but yeah, like when Lois is like re-moving things around and she's actually <laughs> doing the, report. the newspaper, like, and she's doing the layout and moving the holograms. This is even better than minority report. Like what, what, where is this technology? This doesn't exist. <laughs> I know that Metropolis is a little bit advanced, but come on, Jim, this is, this is like, even more advanced than CSI stuff. <laughs> so yeah, the the story itself again. Here we have Scott how he can craft a story, and in the span of one issue, have you interested, and like superbly interested, and coming off of a Superman episode where we made it clear we're not Superman people, reading this. And I'm like, okay, you got me, Scott. I'm, I'm in. I, I want to know who that dude is. I want to know what the hell's going on with this bunker, with everything falling down. It's a superbly crafted story. Yeah. So I, I can't, I can't wait. Can't to say anymore. Yeah. I, th- this is the first Superman comic I've read since the start of the New Fifty Two, and it's the first one where I went. I want to read another. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, hurry up with the goddamn art. <laughs> Seriously, people. Um, Superior. Uh, Spider-Man number 11. Yes. Oh, dude, what the <laughs> crap? This was freaking awesome. <laughs> so this is him going because he was asked by, um, by the mayor to go to make sure that the assassination or not the assassination, I should say the, the <laughs> death penalty for the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Smythe. Right. The spider slayer actually goes through because he figures something's going to happen. And of course, I mean, it's comic book world, so something will happen. Um, I I loved again. Parker's gone, so now it's just Otto, 
and he's like really settling into this now. And whereas he had Peter before to kind of rein him in every once in a while, we ain't having none of that anymore. <laughs> we, we don't have that problem. He's back talking everybody. He is, I taking measures that obviously Peter never would have, but he's taken them. Doesn't matter. All of these friggin' spider bots all over the damn place. And I love the stuff with Jay Jonah when he's on his way there. And, and, and even before that, like, I mean, this is the Jay Jonah who's just the man who lost his wife, not the mayor. Although he kind of flexes a little bit at the end there, but, uh, but no, this was absolutely loved it. I love Jonah's interactions with the uh, head of security. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, did you get my application? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the, the medical ward, when all the people Spider-Man had taken down over the last few issues, and you yeah. see the extent of their injuries. That was great. And then the Avenging Spider-Man number 22 with uh, Castle. Did you read that one? I haven't read that one yet. It was, again, fantastic. Uh, written by uh, Christopher Yost and uh, art by David uh, Lopez. The art was actually really, really good. I, I, I liked it. Um, this was great. This is like a, a, a makeshift um, Mysterio. It's not the actual one. And he's taken him down. But just the interactions between him and this wannabe Mysterio, as well as his interactions with Castle. Oh my God. Because you know Castle's going to like what he's doing now. And so there's a different interaction now between Frank and, and Spider-Man. So it was, I don't want to spoil it. You got to read it. It was really, really, actually, I think this was actually better than the actual superior Spider-Man issue. Cool. It was really good. And then lastly, did you read, we were talking about the Savage Wolverine number six, and you were saying how there was going to be different writing teams handling it. Did you read it? I haven't checked that one out yet either. Dude. Oh, you will not realize how much do you miss Peter Parker until you read this. <laughs> this was, uh, it's Zeb Wells, the art by Joe Madreira, which, oh, 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 he is so good. But this is, and, and they make it very clear at the beginning, this, this is not happening right now. You continuity people don't <laughs> write us evil letters. So this is before. And so it's actual Peter Parker. Like I read the little warning and then I thought, oh, don't tell me it's going to be Petey. And then you <laughs> see the interaction between him and Wolverine. And it's like, oh, it's Peter. Peter, I've missed you so much. <laughs> see, that's the interesting thing because I, I'd, I'd heard that it was a Peter Spider-Man, not an Ox Spider-Man. And I have to wonder if this was originally supposed to be an Avenging Spider-Man story and Madreira just took so freaking long with the artwork they had to park it somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because if you remember, Madreira did the first three issues of Avenging Spider-Man and they said, okay, you know, we're going to bring in uh, you know, another fill-in artist and then Joe will be back soon. And we never, never saw, saw him, him again. Yeah. Dude, the art in this is insane. Oh, that's what happens the, when it takes four months to do an issue. The final picture. Oh, oh my God. The final image, the reveal at the end there is frame worthy. If you are like a, <laughs> a collector of pages and he was selling this, it's like worthy of framing and putting on your wall. It's insane. I just, the style, the look of it, everything. The entire issue is gorgeous, of course. Absolutely gorgeous. And the story is fantastic. 
fantastic. And it's not just like a, a Spidey and Wolverine story. It's really not even a Spidey and Wolverine story. There's some interactions hmm. between them, but that's not what the story is. He spends more time with Elektra than he does with Spider-Man. Um, it is very much a Wolverine story, which is good. That's okay. what fits. It's a cool. savage Wolverine. It's 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 phenomenal. It's an absolutely fantastic story. And now I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying to read the next Savage Wolverine. Okay. <laughs> How funny is that? But yeah, it's fantastic. After, you know, was I think you even read like the first three issues and I kept making fun of you for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't have read this were it not for the fact that you told me different writing and different stuff. And yeah. man. This this is kind of Wolverine stories we need so much more of. This was great. Glad to hear it. Yeah, cool. That's it. All right. So as for this week's new releases, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> That's really all I can say. Uh, Marvel's releasing everything. Can I can I just <laughs> skip the list? <laughs> we have Age of Ultron number ten, the finale. Avengers number fourteen. Cable and X Force number ten. Captain Marvel number thirteen, part three of the Enemy Within crossover. Fantastic Four number nine. Indestructible Hulk number nine. New Avengers number seven. Superior Spider Man number twelve. Ultimate Spider Man number twenty four. Ultimates number twenty six. Uncanny Avengers Sweet number nine. X Factor number two fifty eight. And X Men Legacy number twelve. God, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> At DC, we have uh, issues 21 for Animal Man, Batman, and Batgirl. They're still pulling that little uh, charade there. But Red Hood and the Outlaws, Supergirl, and Wonder Woman. See, this is, it, it evens out. It's good that DC has so many sucky titles. <laughs> Because all our money is spent at Marvel and Image. Yeah, especially this week. <laughs> all right, from everybody else, IDW brings us Doctor Who number 10, G.I. Joe number 5, and Transformers More Than Meets the Eye number 18. From Image, we have Invincible number 103, Mara number 5, and Mind the Gap number 11. And then from Oni Press, we have Sixth Gun number 32 and Sixth Gun Sons of the Gun number 4. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone, but... Seriously. <laughs> This, this week's going to be painful. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, until next week when we're, God, going to talk about a thousand different comics and what we're reading. <laughs> you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. And thanks for listening. I made a poop. What? You didn't look at the picture I sent you? <laughs> oh, is that what it said? I just saw a stupid cat smiling. <laughs> I made a poop. <laughs> so funny i'm medicated and tired clearly <laughs> but i thought it was hysterical <laughs> okay fine <laughs> that's why i sent it to you right before you started with the intro i was just hoping it would catch you apparently not. well i still had to like agree to it yes. and stuff so i didn't even click on it until you started talking <laughs> you know me all too well <laughs>